Trivia, the podcast where we eventually wind down. We're nearing the end of our first season ever, season zero. This is just another reminder, we will be taking a hiatus for December and January. And we do have one more episode after this one to put out. And I think it's going to be a good one. Hopefully Jathan actually does what he's supposed to to prepare for it. My God. <laughs> We, I, I wanted to do like a looking back on on our first season episode for our last episode, but because you messed all the the topic schedule up, we can't do that now. Yes, we can. We could do both. No, we can't. That's going to be a very long. Well, I guess it's okay if it's like a, a long episode, but it's the last episode of the season. You know, yeah, like and special. The end is like optional. Like if you want to listen to these two dumbasses talk about their dumbassery, keep listening. <laughs> I all right, I guess. Um just another shout out. Episode is again being episode by Aaron Kitso. Um I've started to link to his website. So good friend of mine, Aaron Kitso. He lives like five minutes from me. Eh, maybe more like fifteen. And yeah, he's hopefully he can edit all of our episodes. I have been linking to his website in the wiki in the show notes. Now if you're looking for an editor, primarily he actually does video editing. So plug for him. Um, if you have some videos that you want done, he's it's a professional guy, really flexible, really wants to see you happy with the end product. Um, so he's a he's a good dude. Check him out. You know what? Like I, the news items, I kind of don't even want to make that a segment. I kind of just want to blurt him out because I don't know how much we can talk about. Redheads buying Ansible. <laughs> yeah, like that. Thanks. Okay, that's it. Yeah, so today uh, Red Hat has announced that they, uh, well, they are in the process of acquiring Ansible. On their uh, their blog, it says, we announced a definitive agreement to acquire Ansible. Yeah, like the plans are in place, but they, they don't own Ansible yet. It's no, not bought. Right. It's, yeah. Right. Um, so is buying, you know, they, they have plans. They are in the works, which was interesting because Satellite or Spacewalk, I know Satellite, maybe Spacewalk. Uh, was switching over to Puppet for the newest version. I wonder if this was a move to reduce competition or if they're maybe planning on switching over to Ansible instead. Yeah, I don't know. They do have... So in this blog post, they have why Ansible. Mm -hmm. And it says, We see in Ansible a perfect alignment with the core principles that shape Red Hat's management, both at the product level and the portfolio level. No, that's... Well, I, that's bullshit. Simple, you can never trust these these release announcement things. well it says it's simple to use modular popular supports multi-tier deployments consistency at multiple layers blah 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 by the way if i sound funny i'm sick right yeah jathan has the plague again but um, it's not back everyone knows that what's well, not back the plague well I, I thought you said it was i know but you thought i was joking too y yeah and that all right now what, what do i believe <clears throat> I don't know. Don't. You probably know that I'm right all the time now. <laughs> I, I would not go that far. But yeah, I, I can't figure out this Ansible thing. Like, what are their what are their motives behind it? Um, well, you I know, can see this either being really good, like with what they did with KVM, because KVM kicks ass now, you know. But if they pull like a, a Java thing and just drop it on its ass, you know. Well, so I think because if you look at Ansible Puppet Chef salt whatever they all have enterprise support available mm -hmm. 
And I think this is just Red Hat's way of gaining some market share somewhere. I think that Red Hat subscribers are going to start using Ansible because they could fall back on that enterprise support. So I think it's just a competitive move, really. But then they'd be competing with their own product. They'd be competing with Satellite. Unless, and yeah. this, is, this is why I thought of it, unless they plan on switching out Puppet for Ansible and upcoming Satellite releases. Well, the other thing is, uh, you know, Ansible does a lot more than Satellite and Spacewalk can. Uh, I mean, sort of. For yeah. how, for uh, let me put it this way, for how it would be implemented in Satellite, both, or either or Puppet or Ansible, I mean, that's, you know, like that's, it's not going to be used to its maximum strength. But maybe that's functionality they're going to be adding so that it will. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh. You know, maybe they're looking at this as a way to expand Spacewalk or Satellite. I should say Satellite because really that's Red Hat. But um, maybe. Or maybe it's like, oh, well, you already have. So let's just say they start building Satellite sort of on top of Ansible. Well, you have this basic functionality, but if you need more, you can do it because it's based on Ansible. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean I guess I guess it's just gonna be one of those things where like, you know, time will tell. Yeah, I'm just guessing here. Yeah. Yeah. So they announced that today. Twitter was all Twitter pated about it, of course. I see what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, today is October sixteenth when we're recording. I put that in the show notes. Oh, whoops. Well Calm down. Never mind. Read it in the show notes. I put the date of re- <laughs> I put down the date of the recording and the date of publication. Okay, I'm going to blur out the next one. So uh, Debian's dropping the standard Linux base, Linux standard base, LSB, whatever. Don't be a dick. Why'd you, why'd you have to just jump at that? Because oh, you said we were going to just blurt them out. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to blurt out one of them. That's, that's it. That's all of them now. Oh, you mean randomly. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what I can get? You know what I can get? Shout out to Panopticon on Reddit for plugging us without us even asking him to. Yeah, six Granted, months ago. it was six months ago. Um, <laughs> so I'm sorry we just noticed now. Like, literally, we found out about 10 minutes before we started recording. But thank you. You know, that means a lot to us. So if you have, if you come across other sysadmins that don't know about us, or someone, you know, looking for some sysadmin podcasty goodness, and, you know, where you think we're up to snuff and give good, uh, give good content, please plug us. We'd love to do the same to you. I'll put up a link to Panopticon's post and profile. Um, but thanks, dude. If we had swag then I would definitely send you some. But we, we do not. Maybe for season two. That would be or pretty cool. Se- season one, technically, because this is season zero. But yeah, that's I got a lot of things planned. I don't think I'm ready to discuss them on the air. I kind of want to make it a surprise for the listeners. But I will say that I've got some pretty exciting stuff planned for for the next season. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, so Panopticon, you rock. We should probably actually talk about that other thing. Wh- which other thing? Oh, the oh the, the Debian thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you know what the LSB is? Do you know why it's a big deal? Me personally, yeah. Uh, it's it's not actually like a a thing, isn't it? A specification, really? Let's see. I mean, I know that it is a package that exists, but isn't it just like low level in it stuff? Mm, it's a set of okay. You know how like Core Utils is like POSIX compliant, right? And Core Utils is like the the binary implementation of that concept, right? That's kind of what the LSB release package is, but it implements the LSB spec or standard or whatever you want to call it. And the LSB is kind of like POSIX for Linux. Got it. So you it, got it is more or less a specification. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it. I believe it. Uh, let me make sure. Yeah. It includes the FHS, the file system hierarchy standard. Which, which nobody I'm, uses anyway. Hey, I was just about to say I use it obsessively. So do I. 
I'm the only one that puts stuff in op that's supposed to go in op and stuff in slash serve that's supposed to go in slash serve. Do you do that on your own machine? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't really do it on mine. I just do whatever the distro does for me. But at work, we do it. Well, that's that's my big problem with it is the distros break FHS. I hate that. Even Arch does. Uh, can you give an example? I mean, I'd have to look here. We can look it up and put it in the show notes, but I think you might be wrong about that. The closest I think they get to that is with the systemd-related symlinks, but the FHS doesn't have anything specifically against that. So, hmm, that's have you read the FHS? Not in depth, but I... Oh, dude, you should. Uh, you, you should really check it out don't know what I do with my Friday nights, do you? You mean you don't read documentation and specs? Not typically. If I wasn't sick right now, I already told you what I would be doing. I, I phased you out. I, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm guessing you're not drinking anything? Not drinking anything, no. I, I don't know. I may try to sneak a beer in tonight, but I just took Sudafed like a couple hours ago, so maybe not. I I am drinking... Oh, I, I wish this was not the case, and it's it's disgusting... Bolt House Farms Daily Greens. What is that? So it's it's basically one cup worth. It's it's liquid form, but it's one cup worth. Nine servings of veggies per bottle of kale, spinach, and romaine lettuce. Oh, you're not drinking alcohol. I'm not. Uh, and this is disgusting because there's there's another one that looks so much like it. It's like a green machine or something, which is really good. It's got like kiwis and bananas and stuff in it. And I thought I grabbed that, and I did not. <laughs> and I'm, like, too much of, like, a... Like, I don't want to waste it. So I'm, like, choking it down, and it's just... it. Imagine drinking a salad, and that's basically what it is. It's so gross. Ugh. Yeah, that's pretty disgusting. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it online and link it in the show notes, as we always do. But it's so gross. But back to the LSB. So... They also include the free desktop XDG, uh, XDG uh, spec as well. It's kind of like a meta spec, I guess. But yeah, it includes some, some really useful tools in the Linux system that ideally every Linux system should conform to. But Debian is dropping it. <laughs> Debian is now dropping the LSB. Do, do you know why? I think that what I read is like basically they said that there was a lack of interest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, it, it's right here. And we'll link to this article. It's on lwn.net. Oh, you're which reading I, that one, actually. Yeah. Um, it has become, they say, a considerable amount of work for little measurable benefit. I have my problems with that. I mean, our one of the reasons Debian is, is so stable and well-respected is because it, it has so many formalized specs and formalized procedures and and well-documented aspects of it. And it's so rigid, you know? Yeah, like, maybe it's not going to be up to date if you want, or, I mean, I guess that's what SID's for. But maybe it's not going to be the best distro if you want to have, like, a gaming PC or something. But if you want a server, Debian's a pretty good choice. And this is coming from an Arch fanboy, you know? And someone who who otherwise uses CentOS on servers. So, like, it's a good choice. It's hard to argue with a Debian box. But one of the things that got them to that point, that amount of reliability, was because they were so strict and stick-up-the-ass stringent about their standards. Right. You know, admittedly, and this is kind of not that related, but if you had a choice, would you rather use CentOS or Red Hat over Debian? Mm, that's a good question. Because I'm kind of, like, 
I had never really delved into CentOS or Red Hat until I started working at BioFrontiers, but every day there's like some part of me that's like, man, this would be so much easier if I was on Debian. Well, they they both have like the equal amount of extraneous, not cruft, but extra shit, you know? Like Arch doesn't have like the network scripts or the whatever the equivalent is in right, Debian. Right, right, right. I, I forget. I haven't I haven't admined a box, a Debian box in uh years, probably at least half a decade. So I, I do forget some of it. But I mean that's you know I don't know. That's a really tough question. That I, I that would take some soul searching for on my part. I think I'm kind of leaning towards. I'm kind of leaning towards CentOS, though. Do you firmly believe that one is more stable than the other? My experience now w- between the two in a server environment is heavily CentOS biased. Yeah, so, so is I mine, need to, and that's why yeah, I, so I need to temper that. It's um, hard for me to say. I'm tempted to say that they are stable in different areas. Which sounds like a cop out, and it kind of is. But I, I, I kind of do really think that you know, like it, it depends on what kind of stability you're looking for. If you're looking for reliable updates um, without needing to reboot the box or whatever, I would probably go with CentOS. If you're looking for a wider, because I'm willing to say at this point, actually, CentOS might even have a larger package base. Well, and that's the thing. So. Debian, because I mean, you could pull in like Ubuntu. Package. No, you can't. Why? You can't, and that's and that's that is what makes me primarily choose CentOS over Debian in this in this mini debate we're having because CentOS has Apple now, right? Right. And they've they've formally condoned Apple. They're all about it, which is awesome. What does that actually stand for? Enterprise package, extra packages for enterprise Linux. Oh, okay, that's actually pretty logical. Yeah. Um, so they're all about it. You know, you can even do a yum install Apple hyphen release on a brand new CentOS install now and installs the repo and everything. It's right. great. Yeah. Um, so that has an extraordinary amount of packages plus the, you know, the, the CentOS repositories. The problem with Debian is they use older libraries or different libraries than Ubuntu. It used to be the case where you could just switch packages between the two and not run into into any sort of problem. Well, because the last time I used Debian, I remember that being the case. Like, I couldn't find something, but it was in the Ubuntu repository, so I was able to pull it in that way. Yeah, how how long ago was that? Oh, gosh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, That was before you were using Gentoo, right? Probably right around the same time. So, does Debian still have, like, backports of some sort? I think they have... I I don't think they call it backports... I should know this because I was just hacking at their repository the other day for. Uh, they still do uh, have it. Like two months ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. I knew they had something like it. I couldn't remember if the, it was called something different. It's or still not. called backports. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's that's good. Um, you don't really get much of that with CentOS. So I I would say if you're running, but with CentOS you can still pull in Fedora RPMs no problem. Really? Yeah, you can just add usually Fedora repositories to CentOS without much of an issue. I haven't I haven't tried that, so I don't I, I hesitate to, but I have one um, box at work that uh I do that on for testing purposes. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to test that out sometime. But really like I, I wouldn't really have a need to because all the stuff I'm looking for generally is in Apple if it's not in the core repositories. Yeah. So you know there's times when it's frustrating because the things are so outdated, but it is really stable. I can't argue yeah. with that. And yeah. and this I, I would say this goes for, for both 
CentOS and Debian. Yeah. And you know what? In both cases, the important updates, like you have an SSL update or something that you need, it's there, like same day, next day, or at least like a suitable workaround or, uh, you know, mm -hmm. how to cover your ass. Yeah. I mean, granted, with Arch, you get it within a couple hours, but. Okay. Well, rolling release. I would. What? Rolling release. Right. Right. It's it's a lot easier to. And, and it's a much simpler packaging system they have, too. Right. So uh, it's probably a lot easier to get that fixed out. But I don't know. This this whole thing just. Debian, I'm disappointed in you. I'm sorry to say it. I always had a deep respect for you guys, but this kind of... You know, it seems like their whole community is kind of up in arms lately. Like, splitting over the whole System D thing yeah. and everything else. It's just like, I don't yeah. know what it is. If it's like the leadership that's just lacking, or if it's the know. user base is just like wonky. I don't know what it is. I feel like the user base is dwindling either way. Well, yeah, I think more people are moving... Not even necessarily to Ubuntu, just all over. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Fedora, Santa, and Fedora. <laughs> um, I actually installed Fedora in a VM today. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember you, t you, you telling about that in IRC. Um, I think I included your, your DNF did not finish quote in the snippet I posted on our Twitter today. Oh. <laughs> I think I got, I got that in there. Oh, yeah, because DNF. Yeah. 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 So now would be a good a good time for a segue because this is relevant. For the Fedora users, I'm sure you know already, but for everyone else, because theoretically, Fedora is supposed to be CentOS slash RHEL's playground, you know? I don't think that's so much the case anymore. It's kind of just its own bastardized child. But it's still possible that Yum may be replaced by DNF. I haven't seen that actually announced anywhere. Yeah, no, it's it's not news. This is not And if you have I want to make that very clear. This like this thing I'm talking about right here is purely speculation of a possibility. Yes. So um, we talked about DNF a little bit in the distro review, I think. Did we? I think so, because when we tested Fedora, the release that we tested, which was it twenty two or was it twenty one at the time? Uh, I think twenty two. It was the first release that had DNF and not Yum. Okay, so we talked about it. I think. Yeah, and really, I'm okay with DNF. It's it's all right. Uh, it's it feels kind of stupid compared to Yum, and it doesn't really have all of Yum's features. But really, what it's missing from Yum is like not really stuff anybody really used anyway. So I'm I'm kind of okay with that. But what I do have a big problem with is how the repositories are structured now. I haven't really like played with it enough to notice that kind of thing. You you you're ready for some bullshit? Sure. So you know how before you could just put a, a mirror in Etsy yum repolis.d? Uh yum dot repos dot d. Thank you. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to LSD I, LSD. I'd have to LS the directory because um, I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. All right, but you know how you could just pop a uh, pop a mirror in there pop a repository there and be done with it right more or less yeah you had to of course set it to be enabled blah 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 but yes yeah yeah so with dnf it gets the listing of mirrors from a cent centralized online source okay every time every single time you run it yeah and there may be a way but to my knowledge i can't find a way to add a custom repository no you have to be able to there's no way they would not allow that I don't know, dude. I I looked. I mean, for I was, one thing, you can still just install RPMs. I well, yeah, it does still have RPM. But I I looked when I was setting up the install fest for Falscon. I was I was doing Fedora, and by far that gave me the most trouble. You know what I had to end up doing? I had to end up 
spoofing the DNS for every single Fedora mirror as well as their central mirror, and then vhosting that in Nginx. Okay, DNF config manager add repo repository URL. Okay. Or and that can be uh like an actual URL or it could just be a file. Huh. Supposedly. Well, okay. Good. Um. Yeah. I mean, I just pasted it in IRC so you can read it and we'll stick it in the show notes for giggles. May, why did I do that then? Why did I go through the trouble of vhosting? Maybe it was because you couldn't set a an install mirror at install time and then use regular mirrors. That kind of rings a bell actually from today. Yeah. I think that's why. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to use a, a local mirror to, to save on external WAN bandwidth and you're using Fedora, you're shit out of luck. Unless you do what I did and run your own DNS resolvers, spoof the record for every single mirror they have, hard-coded into the installer, and then vhost that. And if, if you want to know how to do that, shoot me a, a Twitter or something, a, a tweet. Shoot me a tweet, rather. Or an email, you know, uh, sysadministravia.com slash contact.php. Grab me an IRC, whatever. I can tell you how I did it. I can get you some uh, Nginx and DNS mask configs and, and get you set up with that. I keep meaning to, like, actually release those as a bundle, but I, I just never... I, I remember and then I don't have time during me remembering, but whatever. I'll get to it one of these days. I'll put it on the whiteboard. Oh, that's another thing. I, I installed a whiteboard on my wall. It's a, it's a giant one. Uh, 65 pounds is like four feet by three feet. It's great. I love it. Well, that's a good segue into the next topic. Wait, wait, what? It's Which actually one? the one that's at the bottom of the list. I already, I already shut it out to Panopticon. Oh, I haven't refreshed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Second to this last has been one our entire, My dear audience, this has been our entire night so far. You know what? It's This Friday. is what happens when Jathan is sick on a Friday evening and we're recording. I spent nine hours trying to install one software package today. yeah that's true i I'm, when we're done recording i'll give that a whack by the way honest to god if you get it to compile you send me your paypal email i will give you 25 dollars. 25 give me 60 what i already owe you apparently 16 cases of beer you can take 25 uh, i don't know dude all right well we'll see i, I do like challenges <laughs> this is personal money yeah 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 <laughs> so let's let's move it along yeah this is so the I, I think I figured out what he's talking about. We I used this a lot more when I was freelance or 1099 because I actually had to track my hours then. And now I'm salary, so I don't. But we are pretty fond of a piece of software called Task Warrior. So Task Warrior is kind of like a, a to-do list on steroids, you know. I'm guilty of this. I keep text pad uh, text files all over with like date.to-do or whatever. And then I just have a, a list inside of what I need to get done. Task Warriors, uh, it has time tracking. It's 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 command line based. Yeah, that's so the part that you're missing that I was like. Yeah, it's command line based. It does have a client server model. Last time I tried it, it was severely lacking. But it seems they put a lot of work into that recently. I want to check it out, give it a good, honest, up to date review sometime. So maybe we'll revisit this in season two or season one. I keep doing that. Um, yeah, I'd like to actually set up like a central one. Just to see, like, with multiple people collaborating, what would happen. I don't know if it supports collaboration. I think it just supports, like, a centralized place for all your to-dos. I'm not sure. Because if it does one. support collaboration, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I don't think that's what it does, though. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's very handy. Mostly everything is in, like, uh, either plain... Is it plain text or SQLite? I'm pretty sure it's just plain text files. Yeah. In your home directory. So it's, 
Yeah. And yeah, uh, unless in, you in use a... the task server and then it's stored on your task server instead. Right. Right. So that's handy if you move around a lot between different different machines. And there are even like uh, mobile apps now that integrate with the task server. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. There's an Android app that basically looks just like Google Keep, but it syncs with your... Oh. Yeah. That's hotness. Yeah. Because I love Google Keep, but every time I, you know, like, if I need to wipe my phone or something, all my notes go gone unless I want to store them on Google servers, and I'm not keen on that. So, um, yeah. Can you send me a link to that? Yes, I will certainly do that. Fantastic. I will put that in the show notes for all of you as well. It's super the... customizable, though. Like, you can change yeah. colors. You can change the way it displays your tasks. Create aliases for the different displays you want to do. It's super cool. Uh, you can tell a lot of work went into it. It's written in C, right? C or C++? C++? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. You know, in uh, all honesty, I wouldn't be surprised if it was written mostly in Bash. It's not. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, we'll, Fairly sure. we'll find out. Um, no, it'd be a lot slower if it was. It's 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 pretty quick. It's instantaneous for the impressive amount of text, text processing and stuff it does. Right. Um. So I, I think I'm pretty sure. I even think I remember looking at the source. I'm fairly certain it's either C or C plus plus. So yeah, that's that's a really it's a really handy tool. And if you find yourself losing track of things you need to get done, I would definitely give it a, a shot. It also has like prioritization uh, subtasks. It's really cool. I wish there was a way to like integrate it with Jira. Yeah, I or, was just thinking the same thing the other day. Or like day. a bug trapper. Like if I could get all something. of my RT tickets to my task warrior, that'd be so amazing. Yeah, unfortunately, that that may <laughs> may be down the road, but it's certainly not here in any means yet. I actually think that it has support for some trackers. Oh, it does now. Um, yeah, I haven't used it in about a year and a half, maybe. Um, but that's that's really cool if it does. Yeah, I'll have to check into that, and we'll we'll give it an honest uh, modern review in in the next season. But I did want to mention that, so you sh- you should check it out, play with it yourself. Not play with yourself. Play with it yourself. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. It supports hooks now, too. What? So basically, like, oh, you finished this task. Well, it's under this project, so I'm going to do this with the information. Oh, so you could, like, email an invoice when a task is finished. I guess in theory. I, there's a whole hooks v2 API. That's cool. And there's an author guide, which is pretty cool. Nice. Well, that's, yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'm just going to move on to the next topic, though, because we we, pl- we gave that a good honest plug there. And yes. We need a... Move along. We don't we don't have the re- proper review enough to to keep talking more about it. I don't at least. So I I did want to quick run through some v- VPS providers. Like why is the first question. I'll tell you. VPSs are super handy if you're in one of those insufferable companies that uses DevOps. I'm gonna rag on DevOps every chance I get. I'm sorry. I just think the idea is so stupid. But if you use DevOps, it's pretty handy. You know, it, it lets you pop up a test environment, do your thing, and then if you want, cancel it or just leave it running for the, the next test run, whatever. And it doesn't need to involve in-house virtualization. That's all managed outside. So if you don't have any virtualization gurus um, and you can't figure out libvirt, first of all, maybe you're in the wrong business. But second of all, um, you at least have an option to have someone else do it for you. And... Yeah, there's there's a lot of them out there, but there are some that I've used that I really like. They also don't have to be for development. They could be very for production. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I run I run most of my stuff in uh, in VPSs that needs to be public facing. It's very 
cost effective. So the first is, I'll admit, I'm a fanboy, especially now that they have KVM. Yeah, me too. The, the first is Linode. Linode or Linode? I always forget. I think it's, it's Linode. Linode. I think it's Linode because Linux, but I don't know. I always feel like I'm mispronouncing it no matter which way I pronounce it. So they're fantastic. They're they're based out of New Jersey. I think they have a Philadelphia office now as well or, they or something do, like that. They do, and I think that they're planning to close the Jersey one, actually. Really? That's maybe what I've heard. Huh. I don't know. They posted something about it. Maybe they were just looking for people in their new Philly one. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I know I remember seeing a, a call to uh, you know people to apply to the Philly one. So they're local to me. They have great uptime i've i've had maybe aside from like backbone issues which is really not their fault it's it's maybe not even the dc's fault you know at that point it's, it's the backbone carrier's fault and not much you can do about that so aside from backbone issues i've had uh an outage time not maintenance time but outage like unexpected outage time of maybe total i'd say an hour over the past year which is incredible for a VPS provider. I've had even less than that. Oh, yeah? Uh, I think the most downtime I ever had was a scheduled maintenance. Uh, so my Linode's in Dallas because mm. I had one in Jersey, but then I moved to Colorado. That doesn't, if it's scheduled, it, whether you scheduled it or they scheduled it, it doesn't matter. That doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is I think that's the only downtime I've had ever. Oh, really? Yeah. And when I migrated my mm. Linode from Jersey to Texas, it did take a little longer than I expected, like maybe on the order of like, 20 minutes yeah yeah but i mean obviously that was something that i could schedule whenever i wanted to do it and you know i had mm -hmm. to do it or i wanted to do it so yeah exactly i would like to maybe see that process improved maybe you know what i wouldn't even know how they would do that i don't know how you'd avoid right corruption or anything like that but the reason i actually moved to dallas in the first place was because at the time jersey didn't offer gentoo the Jersey what? data center, I couldn't have Gen. I thought they offered the same the same distros at each location. No. I mean, they do now, I'm sure of it, but... Yeah, and so at the time, I had to move to get Gen 2. I'm pretty sure. Mm. That was way back, though. I mean, I've been with Linode for a long time now. So, uh, it's worth saying I was with Tectonic before Linode, and I pretty much left Tectonic, and you did. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I've been with Linode ever since. And when was that? Um... I don't know. I'm sure you could find out if you go through your billing history. Well, I was just thinking that you would know when you left Tectonic. Oh, uh, I didn't. We didn't even get to talk to that about that yet. Um, yeah, I was. I uh, was years ago. Because when you, when I first went with Tectonic, I was trying to set up OpenVPN, and you <laughs> yeah, had to modify my VPS for me to allow the the. Well, that's because they were using Virtuoso slash OpenVZ. Yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll talk more about that in a second. Linode now gives you i think it gives you the option of zen or kvm but they're moving to kvm only from what i understand if someone from linode's listening and that's incorrect please let me know and i'll pop it in the show notes pretty sure that's what's happening though you can already get kvm linodes i think all new linodes are kvm by default they are very very gradually moving things over you know migrating it I, I, they have a very conservative plan in place for that i don't know i mean I'd have to read. It's on their blog, and and it's all over. You'll be able to figure it out if you spend five minutes. But they use KVM, which is great. It's still not a lot of providers out there use or offer KVM. So kudos to you, Linode, for that. Next is Tectonic, though, and I worked for Tectonic. They're not. 
they're a quote unquote VPS provider, but the problem is some VPS providers out there actually offer uh, containers. So like Virtuoso slash OpenVZ containers. Um, for most people, it'll get the job done. But if you want like kernel module access or something like that, you're out of luck because it, it it's basically a glorified ch root. You know, I mean, it, it it's less featureful than system D than a system DN spawn container. So it, it's something you need to you know keep in mind. I don't know. I mean, it's I'm not a fan because I've I've just run into so many issues on on VZ stack that I I don't I don't want to mess around with it anymore you know right and then there's another you know again full disclosure i worked at this company too um another vps provider they do shared hosting too but they're a small orange and we'll link to all these of course uh they they have and i can speak on this from experience having actually worked on it and maintained it and knowing the head of head of the the devops department personally they have a great cloud. It's it's really solidly built. It is it's expensive. Very, it's very easy to use, which is why it's so expensive. A lot of customization and extra work goes into it. They do offer uh, uh, more storage, I guess, than Linode. It looks like. Yeah, we we they they do offer more storage. I from what I recall, but no, like we we've got things like push button ghost installs. Remember Ghost from like our, our CMS yeah, blog yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. They've got like push button installs for that and all sorts of really handy stuff that a lot of people who maybe wouldn't be so comfortable managing their own server would find super useful. And they also have a couple of different locations as, as well, you know, just as Luna does. So that's Small Orange. A little bit higher price point, but still pretty rock solid and especially geared to web developers who maybe not know how to how to properly properly admin a box so check them out as well DigitalOcean is i've used them yeah yeah i've i've used them they're cheap um, they are cheap they're very cheap and uh, i think if you're just standing up like a small project vps or like you know you're not sure you're gonna stick with it and you're not too worried yeah. about what happens not to say that DigitalOcean is unreliable because in my experience They've been they've been fairly reliable yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, you know, nothing I would write home about. Like, I don't think it compares to Linode or even ASO. But they're they're all right. You know, I I probably wouldn't want to use them for a production system, but for a, a testing or or development box or something like that. Right. Yeah, sure. Right. Hey, have you used Linode's Longview? No, I haven't. Okay, me neither. Yeah, uh, Longview is is pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. It's uh statistics reporting analytics kind of a thing right right and there's like a free version and then there's a pro version oh nice and of course you know, there is an agent that you have to install for them to oh. gather statistics yeah so that's why i was wondering because i don't really want to just do it yeah i mean i trust linode i mean hell i know like no slash new like half the employee not half but like quarter of their their tech employees so you know i mean i trust them i don't think they're gonna do anything shady it's more so just, I don't want, I just get squeamish about that. You know, I just can't get over that. So maybe, you know, that's, that's how it goes. I don't know. Sorry, I just sidetracked you. No, it's all right. It was a good question. So if you're into that analytics stuff too, Linode might be a good choice. Um, Ramnode is, uh, I think they use Virtuoso maybe? Question mark. They are... They're all right as well. I I put them maybe on par with DigitalOcean. Pretty cheap, 
not all that reliable, but great if you have something that doesn't need to be that reliable, you know? Um, they have options now, OpenVZ or KVM, but they charge more for KVM. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's takes up more resources. Yeah. But, and you also can't oversell KVM. So that's, that's another thing. But yeah, check them out. They are, they're all right. If I was looking for a KVM provider, I would probably still stick with Linode, honestly. You know what? Their, like, page, though, their pricing is really confusing. Yeah, it's, it's not the prettiest, but. I don't like this at all. <laughs> Let me close the tab. <laughs> close the tab and walk away. Don't walk away, because you'll, you'll, you've got your headphones in, so you'll just pull your laptop with you, and we'll have to edit the sound out, and it'll just be a horrible experience for everyone. So don't do that. But last on the list that I did want to mention, and remember, like, we're not even touching upon the iceberg of the thousands of VPS providers that are, that are, that are out there for the U.S. alone, let alone other countries. But these are ones that I have had personal experience with and have used and would recommend for different purposes, depending on budget and, and application and so on and so forth. Uh, less is Vulture, V-U-L-T-R. Again, we'll link. I, I kind of like them because they've got some pretty, they've got a pretty good choice of locations. To my recollection, they are KVM. Uh, I think they offer Arch, too. Um, they're, they're really pleasure, like, the way their layout is, is just feels really comfortable. Linode can feel a, a little bit too complex, not, not much, and it's definitely intuitive, but it feels a little bit too complex of an interface um, when interacting with your, your VPSs. But Vulture kind of, I think, gets this right. You know, they keep it very simple. Uh, it's very, very easy to find what you need. Getting console access is easy. They have a lot of one-click installs, it looks like, too. Yeah, and you can you can install with, like, an a SSH key right into the VPS. So that's super handy if you don't want to set a root password and you just want to strictly only allow SSH connection right from install. There you go. What's really cool is one of their one-clicks <laughs> is OpenVPN. Yeah, yeah, they do have some... some and then they don't even well. offer a LAMP stack, but they have a LAMP stack. Mm-hmm. Well, really, I mean, Apache sucks. I don't know if you got the news, but Apache sucks. <laughs> I mean... I'm glad I'm glad Nginx is getting the, the props it, it deserves. Right. Yeah. So, if you're still using Apache, switch over to Nginx. Like, there's going to be maybe a week of growing pain, but after that, I promise you, it's so much more intuitive to configure and... and and use and it's great the resource footprint is so much smaller it's so much faster it's got caching built in and reverse proxying built in you don't need modules for that it's it's great it's fantastic i can't sing the praises of nginx enough but i should so i'll stop i did want to mention archival though do you jathan can you explain the difference between archival and backup well backup is like a one-for-one -one copy of something intended to not necessarily Okay, are, well, are you talking about like compression makes it not one for one? You are you are digging way too deep. I'm talking top level, really shallow. What's the difference between archival and backup? Archiving is a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that is wrong. Uh, I don't know what the hell you're looking for. Backup is intended for uh, recovery. So, you know, in the case of a deleted file or faulty hardware or whatever that's what backup is for and that's what you want to design around which is why i said you're going way too deep you're you're digging into the context specific things you would want to use archival on the other hand is when data may be useful or may need to be retrieved in the future but is not relevant now 
you understand? I guess so, but uh, if it's not useful now, why the hell is it on the internet? Did I say it was on the internet? No. It doesn't have to be. No. Okay, that's fair. But in this case, well, well all right, whatever. <laughs> okay. This topic um, sucks. No, it doesn't. It's very important to get this distinction right. All right, let's say let's say you work for a, a telco company, a phone company. I don't. Right? <laughs> you are being so difficult right now. It's like pulling teeth out of a gator. All right, so let's say you do. All right. Imagine with me, will you? Oh, okay. Are you? Do you have your imagination cap on? Imagination. Okay. Thank you. Sounds like you're... Okay. So you work in a telco. You've got logs of phone calls, right? Which is understandable. I mean, you need to, you need to know how much to bill for, so you need to know how long the calls were. Uh, you need to know if there were any issues between two phone numbers not being able to connect. You need to know these things, but you've got logs of all these calls, right? Let's say you want to rotate the logs out every month because the billings process at the end of the month, after that, you don't really need the data on a day-to-day or at a split-seconds notice, you know? That is the prime candidate for archival because it's still data you want to keep around. Let's say if the FBI knocks on your door, hey, I'm not we need, then you go out of business and get arrested. But they, let's say, well, I mean, you can ask, make sure they have a warrant and all of it, yeah, whatever. Let's say that they do. Remember, imagination caps. Right. And they say, hey, we need uh, records for this phone number on this date. BT dubs. It was about a year ago. Like, what do you say? You're like, sorry, shit out of luck. That's not that's not how you get in good with with, with the, the FBI. enforcement agencies. <laughs> in right. Good. I mean, it's a game. At the end of the day, it is kind of a game. And there are some cases where you're legally required to keep these kind of records, you know? But at the same time, you don't want to you don't want to have them sitting there sucking up data, sucking up storage space when they could be easily stored in some kind of static way. So archival is kind of tricky in this sense. You have to compress it. Uh, make sure you've got a, a good copy. Compress it. All your complete records are in there that you no longer need to access. Test it before deleting their live copy. But te- if it tests good, great. Keep going. You know, compress it. Encrypt it if you would like. I recommend it. And here's where it gets tricky, though. How do you store archived data in a way that can guarantee that they'd be fetched reliably? Um, on a tape. Magnetic tape degrades. Try again. On paper in a locked filing cabinet that is in a bank vault that can't be lit on fire or blown up by drone strikes. <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty good, except for the paper bit, because then how do you parse that? Well, also, you put it in a scanner and read it. Also, you need to make sure you have acid-free ink and acid-free paper, because otherwise they'll eat each other away. What were you saying? Oh, uh, I was thinking you could just scan it and then hire someone to read it. First of all, that sounds incredibly boring and a waste of money. Uh, you could pay you just cost. You that. just cost... No, no. You just... Even still, you just cost the company 16 grand. This is not my company. I don't work for a telco. <laughs> Imagination cap. Keep it on. Okay, well, so, I'm imagining that I don't own the damn thing, so I don't oh care who's paying. <laughs> but you're responsible for coming up with the solution. Uh, fine. Okay, I don't know how you store it. You leave it to someone else. <laughs> Archive.org. Send them a copy. Uh, well, you might not want to do that with telco records, but... So what you, what you need to do is, along with your archival plan, you need to have a bit rot prevention plan. Uh, and what that basically means is moving it to the, you know, you test uh, new media, like for now, like Blu-ray is still pretty new. 
So you would test it, make sure it can withstand some good writes, good reads. It can withstand a good amount of potential corruption. It can be dunked underwater for X amount of hours. However, however you want to do it, whatever you feel satisfied by, do it. If it passes, then take your old archives, move them onto the newer media. And you want to do this about, I think I recommend it as every, well, it, it all depends on what media they're on. You know, if it's like a flash, I would do it every maybe two years, two, three years. Optical discs, usually good, are up to up to five to seven years. Blu-ray discs may have a better lifespan, but that's I'm going off DVDs and CDs for that. Five to seven years is about the max there, so make sure you back it up. Tapes, if they're in a good, hermetically sealed, magnetically sh- uh, shield, like lead-shielded cab, probably seven to ten years, I want to say-ish, somewhere around there. But they're, they're also really expensive. So... You know, you want to know the lifespan of this media that you're archiving on. Once you figure that out, uh, not around the same time, but a little bit before that, that you know, expiration, uh, you want to move it over to whatever newer media is quote unquote best for what you want. And that's that's going to be your archival retention bit rot prevention plan. I did want to mention that because a lot of people seem to downplay the importance of archives. And honestly, it's it's I mean, it's a necessary kind of a thing, you know. You may not think so, but so come. Th- why couldn't you com- use that as a backup? Because they're they're not meant to be used as backups. But you there's could- no incremental, so you would have to do a full restore. Uh, it's not meant to be accessed within an hour. You know, these are typically things that are secured and locked down in, in like vaults and stuff. Okay, if you're doing it well, you know. So it's you want to have both. If you can't afford both, I would probably recommend archival over backup because then at least you're just. You still have the data, but, you know, it's just going to cost in time. Yeah, so it's important to keep that in mind and to, you know, to to really factor that in into your, your general data protection plan. I don't know. I just, I just, it, it's been bothering me that I don't see places with any sort of archival plan in place. And then, you know, five generations of sysadmins later, they're asking, like, how, how the hell was this originally configured? Or, like... What sort of data, what did this data look like three years ago or whatever, 30 years ago even? And you have no answer. And it's one of the most frustrating things in the world. So archives, keep them. It's good. Protect them if you need to. But they're not backups and backups are not archives. How are we doing on time? Oh, yeah, we're we're nearing the end. Good, because this last one's fun. Are you ready? Uh... No, you're not because you're you're super lame and you don't. You don't know what I'm talking about. So before we start, I want to talk about how Jathan has never seen Star Wars or Jurassic Park. God, and now they're going to be all over me. There's one person in particular that I'm thinking of. I'm just going to send him a message right now. You know what? Good. You deserve it. You deserve to get hazed the crap out of because how could you have not seen these two movies at the very least? Go to the IRC channel. What? Am I the person that's going to give you crap? Oh, oh hold on. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Um, but I don't know, like, the movies that are such a core part of our culture, Jathan. Who you should is be ashamed. our culture? Nerds, geeks, techs, whatever you want to call us. Uh, whatever. I'll go watch them after we're done. You better. Anyways, that out of anyway. the way. Yeah, well, there you go. Now, now you'll, gotta, you'll get her off your back. Yeah, that do. reminds me, I put it in the show notes. Single now, broke up with my girlfriend. That has to go in the show notes? Yeah, I went into the show notes last night because because I introduced her. She, the Aaron never cut her out when she popped in during mm. recording. I know, I know. 
So I was like, oh, this is my girlfriend in the show notes. And then we broke up and I was like, oh, this is my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> um, uh, awkward. Well, yeah, that's, that's all right. Things are only as awkward as you make them. So that happened. But moving on to what I actually wanted to say, we, we are just full of like non sequiturs. Someone, and I can't remember who, and I really wish I remembered, uh, suggested that we talk about computer culture in TV and film. Do you remember that one? Oh, you know what? That was Aaron. Aaron suggested that. Oh, our editor. You know what? Yeah, he just said something to me the other night about it. Yeah, and very I, cool. You know, well, okay, to it, be fair. I think it's a good topic. Aaron, it's a good topic. Listen, I'm sorry. I was a few drinks in when we were talking. <laughs> that does not mean I didn't value our conversation. Jathan thought your idea was stupid. No, I didn't say anything. I put it. Get the hell you out did. of it. You did. No, I didn't. You did. No, I did not. I didn't say anything about it. You said you didn't want to do it, and it's stupid. That's exactly what you said. When? Not 20 minutes before we started recording. Oh, I said it now, but that's because I forgot that he mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay then. Anyways, so if you have used a computer for more than five minutes, if, Damn. and if you actually know what a command line is, if you know, you know, how to program, how to run a system, whatever, how to run a network, there's some glaring, glaring misconceptions in Hollywood. I'd like, I'll pass this along to Aaron and hopefully he'll, he'll splice a clip in right here weeks I've been investigating the cabbie killer murders with a certain morbid fascination. This is in real time. I'll create a GUI interface using Visual Basic. See if I can track an IP address. <laughs> I'll... <laughs> what did you say? I'll, I'll build a... I'll use a, Visual Basic to build a GUI to track the IP. <laughs> yeah, to track, track the IP address. Which is just like, first of all, I'll use Visual <laughs> no, no, Basic. No. <laughs> you don't even need a first of all. That... The, the whole entire thing is has to be a holistic approach. Um, <laughs> so let's just start enumerating what's wrong with that. Uh, First of all, GUIs don't you wouldn't do anything. waste your time. Yeah, you wouldn't waste your time building a GUI to track an IP address. First, I would hope you would already have that. First off, if you're like supposedly the team's like tech or, or hacker or whatever, I would hope you already have one done. Second of all, learn a real language. Learn a real language. <laughs> My gosh, you know, I actually maybe... read an interesting forum post the other day, a little aside, but someone was saying that once they learned C sharp, they, they would never use C or C plus plus again, unless they had to. I still hate C sharp. You know, whatever. It's stupid. It's stupid. Be different. And, like you don't need a GUI to track an IP address. It's, it's all text based information. Why would you even need a GUI for that in the first place? You need a, a big go button instead of hitting enter. Like, wait. you don't track an IP address either because it, it doesn't move, you know, like I, I, I guess granted, like if it was some kind of mobile phone on the you could track on the carrier's network. Mac address. What sort of like if you're talking about something moving like, oh, the same Mac address connected to two different networks in the span of you talk about MZs, MZs. What is that? That's what stingrays do. They catch the MZs. Uh, MZ catchers. I don't know. What's an MZ? It's it's like the unique identification of a phone. It's like a phone serial number, basically, but it's it's broadcasted in the packets. Oh, yeah, sure. I didn't know that existed, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's sort of like a MAC address, but it, it goes over the radio waves. Anyways, uh, you can't track MAC addresses. Do you know why? Because they're easy to spoof, for one thing. Well, that, true. Uh, do you know why else? Do you know anything about the OSI model? OSI, I'm trying to blank. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jason. So open system MAC addresses. I'll I'll just tell you, MAC addresses on a are on a level lower 
than normal networking. That's why you can't see someone's MAC address over the internet. It's it's lower than the routing layer. Okay. Does that make sense? So that's why you couldn't see it on a router, but you could see it on a switch. No, you you could see it on the router as long as it's like the direct router connected to okay, it. Okay, right, right, right. But yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. But like, if I had two routers and they were talking to bridge two networks, which I know it doesn't really work that way, but I, you, you can. Yeah, you um, can. But most times, so. No, I'm I'm answering your question. I mean, so you, if you it were, depends on how you set up the traffic flow, but you theoretically could see MAC addresses on the other network. But okay, okay. So I don't know why I would use routers for that. You would use managed switches. Right. For okay. That. I know. I was just for the moving example. on. But like, yeah, like you you can't. There really is no way to track that IP because the phrase itself means nothing. I don't know. Um. So that aside, my favorite is in Jurassic Park. She's staring at the computer with this visualization of the file system. A 3D, like, like a vectorized 3D implementation, isn't it always, of a file system. She's she's staring at it wide-eyed and goes, this is Unix. I know Unix. (laughs) And it's it's the funniest moment of the entire movie. And if you've got a sixth sense of humor, there's, there's a lot of funny moments in that movie. But, like... Really? Like, Unix's command line, it doesn't have these fancy floating models of the file system. Same same in Hackers. If you've seen Hackers, you'll know what I'm talking about. They've got this, like, 3D, like, cyberspace kind of a thing. Back when cyberspace was a word that was just coming out and people felt the need to visually represent that. It's like, no, that, that it would be a command line. <laughs> you know? It's just so ridiculous. I will have to give props to Matrix, though. The first one. I, I We were talking before in our, our pre-show meeting, and I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I saw the second one. I don't think I saw the third one. I don't remember them. I just remember the first one. But there's a scene where Matrix or uh, Trinity uses Nmap and SSH nuke. And these were actual things, you know? Nmap is still widely used. I use it probably at least every week. SSH nuke, I think, only worked with SSH version 1. But like that's if you zoom in at right at just the right moment, freeze frame, you can see her using them. And that's cool because that's actually accurate. They actually took the time, at least in the first movie, to create a a somewhat believable representation of an operating system. And I appreciate that. I don't know. The the whole being able to see the the code, though, like, you know, like, oh, this one's a redhead. This one's a blonde. You know that part? Yes. Yeah, that Matrix is the one movie Jathan has seen. Uh, that part just doesn't. It's just. It's too. I can't get past it. It's just too unrealistic to me. Maybe that's because I'm a. I'm not a dev, so I don't necessarily like visualize things the way they do in their mind's eye. But like, it, I just can't get over that. Yeah, that's fine. Although I can 
You know what? I kind of can see it now that I think about it. I just need the proper analogy. It's kind of like staring at raw TCP dumps. <laughs> That's fun. You know? Okay. You can see the like the TCP headers, and then if it's if it's like a plain text packet, you know, you can see the the contents in ASCII or hex or whatever. Right. You know, you can kind of get a feel of what the traffic is. So I, I guess I'll, I'll rescind on that, and maybe I understand it. But yeah, so I mean, all right, kudos to Matrix. You actually get it right. I'll I'll concede. But we'd love to hear from you. Like, what are your, some of your favorite horribly inaccurate computer scenes in movies or TV shows or what have you? I mean, it kind of bugs me all the stuff they do in like NCIS. I don't watch NCIS. So it's more of the same with CSI, I'm sure. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. No specific examples, but wait, is that is that the one with uh like the goth lab girl that would like? Yeah, we talked about her, didn't we? <laughs> maybe uh yeah that's ridiculous where they've got like <laughs> i remember there's one scene where there's like like two of them are typing on the same keyboard <laughs> we're not fast enough <laughs> i'm like unless you can type faster than like i don't know thirty thousand packets a second good luck with that um <laughs> oh so good yeah so th- there's a lot of bad examples we'd love to hear what your favorites are uh, or ones that just really bug you the worst. Yeah, and provide a, a link to a YouTube clip if you can. Yeah, if you can find like a, a source like on YouTube or Vimeo or whatever, all the more power to you. Uh, and then we'll, I don't know, maybe I'll tweet them because I don't really want to have to keep editing the show notes every time someone, some sends it. So yeah, we'll we'll tweet it. Give us your Twitter handle and we'll we'll uh, we'll at you with a we'll dot at you dot at. Oh, that's a lot of recognition. What, what's that called? Mentioning? Uh, is that that's different than an ad? I don't think it is. Is it? I don't know. But yeah, we'll make sure all of our followers see it and make sure you get the credit, you know, for bringing it to us. I don't know. That's that's it. Yeah, this week uh, could have been a lot better, but I'm a fuck up. <laughs> well, well, we'll make it up for it in the next episode. We'll do that. The last episode. The last episode. It's kind of weird. Of this season. Yeah. Yeah. It feels weird to be at this point. I'm excited for a break, though, too. I'm more excited about the next season, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm hoping something. But I, I need the break to, like, prep for that season. So. Yeah, I'll let you do everything. Excuse you, I'm I'm dragging you into this with you. You haven't or told not. me any of your grand plans. So. I I will just wait for him. I've I've told you a couple. You might not remember them though. So this has been System Minutes Trivia. I'm Brent. I am Jonathan. See you around. <laughs>